question for you, young lady. Every one of the kids in this house is happy except for you. Why is that? No, What's your problem? Stop it! All I can say is that my life is very complicated. I'm sorry, but I didn't get half of what you said. This is a real Canadian movie podcast, Independent Investigation. Hey there, and welcome to the RCMP. That's the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. I'm your host today, Becky Shrimpton. And with me, I have two guests. I've got Ben and Marshall Kaplan. They're a father and son. Uh, ben is the son. Marshall is the father. And they have a new documentary out right now called Viewer Direction Advised. It was written and directed by Ben, and Marshall is the executive producer. And if you want to check it out, which let me tell you, you're going to want to, uh, it's going to be screening at the Toronto Jewish Film Festival May 5th, 2019. That's coming up this week. And if you're not in Toronto, that's okay. You can follow the film's progress at www.vdamovie.com and find out how you can see it for yourself, hopefully at a theater near you or coming up on VOD. All the links for that are going to be in the episode show notes. It's already been screening all over the place and has been nominated for Best Documentary Feature at the Los Angeles Cinefest, New York City International Film Festival, World Fest Houston. So obviously it's great, you guys. But uh, what's it about? Well, Ben and Marshall have both been working in television for a while. Ben's just at the beginning of his career. Uh, he's in his 20s. Marshall has been in love with television and working in television for the past few decades. And so the two of them have very different relationships with television and what it means to them. And this movie is really an exploration of Ben trying to understand his dad a little bit more and understand the way his dad sees television and media, as well as trying to get into the deeper understanding of what television means to all generations and why these things change. So not only are you seeing this like very fun, uh, very interesting relationship between this father and son, you're also going to be seeing interviews with like major players in uh, television in LA, all these great celebrity interviews, as well as interviews from the Marshall McLuhan Institute. Um, so it's this personal and intellectual story, and you're going to want to check it out. It's so great. Uh, and trust me, after this interview, you're going to totally fall in love with Ben and Marshall and their relationship. Here's my interview with Ben and Marshall Kaplan. Ben, I got to throw this to you first. Why did you want this to be your first feature? Uh, it's my first feature. I just always been into documentaries. And uh, my dad and I both work in TV, and it just kind of seemed like it was a, a really easy fit um, to explore the subject of TV with my dad, um, since we're both kind of in that world. Now, in your more rebellious years, did you ever decide that you didn't want to be involved in the entertainment industry? You were like, I'm going to be a sanitation worker or a doctor or something? Not really. Like, entertainment's always kind of just been where I felt most comfortable, um, especially working in, in television. It just kind of feels right. So there was never really any moment of, of doubt uh, with that. Uh, what does the entertainment industry mean to you? Like, uh, what do you, what value do you think it brings to the world? I just think it, it, it's that element of escape that it just brings to the world. Like this element of no matter what you're doing in your day, daily life, what your stress is, what your worries are, you can watch something and either use that medium to just tune off completely and, and immerse yourself in something, or you can use that medium to get informed and, and get educated about issues around you. So it kind of can help you escape in both an informative and uh, a surreal way. Now with you, Marshall, you have a love of these fictional television stories, which is of course what the uh, what the film sort of explores tangentially. What drew you then to working in reality and lifestyle television? I think it was just getting into TV anywhere, any way I could. You know, I, 
I got into the industry later in life in my 40s and I always always wanted to go into television because I just love watching television all the time and I've been fortunate enough that I have been able to meet a lot of the people that I grew up watching just by doing the shows that I've done. So that's been really cool. And what do you think reality brings to the world that's maybe parallel to fictional television or sort of what sort of influence do you think it has? Well, I think reality television has brought to the world a bunch of nut bars. (laughs) (laughs) Like, to be honest, you know, Sometimes the truth is stranger than fiction. And you do, when you talk about fictional characters, I don't think some of those fictional characters can compare to some of those people we find in reality television. <laughs> so it's providing people that escapism that Ben's talking about. It's that these are real people in the real world and we're having a great time with them. Right. And I'm, I'm really surprised sometimes what people are willing to say and do in front of a camera. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that as soon as we get in front of a camera, we're either heightened or diminished? I think I think that answers the question. The spectrum is, you know, black and white. You're either going to shy away from it or just be outrageous. And when we are doing television and we are looking for people to be on shows, that's an A-type personality. And the people who want to be on TV are those that are going to be crazy in front of a camera. Which sort of brings us into, Ben, you have a whole bunch of stuff uh, dealing with uh, Marshall McLuhan and uh, his theories. How did you learn about him as a younger person? And how, what, like, when did you start studying him? And what value do you think his work work still brings to uh, to everything today? Um, I mean, I started looking into his stuff probably in university. Like, I went to Ryerson University studying radio and television, so we had a bunch of theory courses in which he was discussed um, widely in. So that's kind of the first time I clued into it and then started really analyzing stuff through his framework. Um, and I think what it, what it brings today is kind of what the film ends up touching upon is especially when you talk about like the like like what is the, the message of the medium and, and all like that type of, of talk um, you know you can look at what, what we're on what's on TV now and like what that really says about society at, at this moment I think you can use that that theory within every era of of TV and TV watching. Now, you touch on this a little bit within the film, and I think it's really fascinating, especially because you're exploring two TV shows that have double Bs, The Brady Bunch and Breaking Bad. Um, And and something that I found really interesting was the idea that the content of stories is changing, that we're addressing topics and subjects that weren't addressed for decades, um, either because of, you know, the moral climate or just because uh, people weren't comfortable talking about it. Um, How would you go about comparing the way people um, are influenced by the messaging of television now versus the way they were before with the more positive storylines. I mean, I, I think it just, it strikes a deeper chord now, right? Where I feel like TV then, from my understanding, not not through living it, but through hearing about it through, through my dad, is it, it all kind of felt like it always had to have a moral lesson. And it was always like, everything's going to work out in the end. And I think now TV is going through this great renaissance where it's like, nothing's really about always having to work out it's just like how can we be as real as possible and like tell different stories and give voices to people that maybe weren't heard from in the past do you think that has a social effect if we're watching these stories that are more realistic but perhaps don't have a, a, the same kind of moral center um i think so yeah like i i think it's it's can be naive especially nowadays to, to kind of paint this picture perfect world when things aren't uh, like that um, and I, I think by having those different stories and giving different people 
more opportunities to have different voices. The social impact of that is, I think it just brings a different level of understanding to society. Now with that, uh, and this is a question for you as well, Marshall, you guys have a lot of stuff in here about people who were raised by television. And if that's, uh, is that a good or a bad thing? And uh, if we're taking our morals from TV, what does that mean? Now with Marshall, you guys watched everything as a family, so you were able to sort of discuss it. But if people are kind of splitting off and, and living in their own world and processing these things, how does that work? I'm so old school. We watched half hour shows, an hour show, and everything was wrapped up with a ribbon at the end when we were when I was a kid. And you discussed it with your parents and what did Marsha and Peter Brady learn from this episode of the Brady Bunch? And nowadays I you know, and a lot of that I just wanna mention also, a lot of the moral lessons or shows that had a moral theme to them years ago in the 60s or 70s were driven primarily by the advertisers because in those days there were three networks and the advertisers paid for all the money and all the shows we put on they were they would screen the film the the tv shows themselves and say nope that wasn't moral i don't like what they said and when we started to subscribe to Showtime or HBO and writers could sort of do whatever they wanted to say and write and create characters, but I don't know if necessarily that meets any type of moral lesson as it does more so of a reflection of who we are or what we want to know about or the stories we want to hear. What do you think, Ben? You know, obviously there's a level of fragmentation. We're not having that conversation together and, and Maybe we're experiencing things differently, but I, I still believe that there is a level of understanding that these different shows brings us in in a societal impact, right? Where it's like me is like a white person from Toronto can, you know, I can't relate to certain experiences that different uh, races have, genders have, um, but what I can do is I can watch certain TV shows and get a little bit more insights into those different walks of life, which, you know, weren't accessible maybe 20 to 30 years ago on television. Now, Ben, what I found most interesting about this, it's a documentary about television, but it's really a documentary about you trying to understand your dad. And what level do you think kids should try to understand their parents? And how much did you learn about yourself while making this? Everyone should, to an extent, try to delve into their roots, whether it's trying to understand where your who your parents are, where they've come from, who your grandparents are, aunts, uncles, so on and so forth. And I think the, the special thing um, with our film, uh, for example, is really just that, you know, my, my dad and I have followed very, very similar paths. Um, and so I think, you know, it goes without saying that there should be a level of interest in, okay, well, what's your story? Because we are so similar in the journeys that we're both taking. I'm gonna <laughs> but can I, inter- can I interject for one second? Please Becky? do, yeah. yes. Uh, um, but Ben, I'm going <laughs> to... We're having a private conversation here. I, We've taken similar paths in our career, but we are so totally different. And we are so totally different on how TVF has affected us. Mm-hmm. No, I, I get that. Like, I'm not I'm not saying I'm, I'm Marshall Jr. on this end of the call. No, you're like, not. I'll, yeah, like, we're personality-wise, you know, we're opposites, and I think how we relate to TV is opposite, but I think the fact that you have a father and a son who are both in TV, I think there there's inherently a level of interest in, well, what's your story? And the fact that we both maybe, no, we're not the same person, but both enter mm-hmm. this world, what does that say about the two of us, or you as an individual, or me as an individual? Um, 
I think there's there's a bit of an inherent fascination, but I don't think that that's to say if your parents not in the same industry, you should just totally disregard their life story. And, and also, Becky, to your question, you were you were asking like, should people find out who their parents are or delve deeper into their parents or find out what makes them tick? You know, I think that as a parent as well, we as parents, as a father, I always like to see my kids and figure out who they've become and hopefully that I've had some sort of influence as to who they are as people. I, it's interesting to go the opposite direction and have a kid investigate their dad as to what makes them tick. Because I can't help but think about uh, stories we tell and Sarah Polly, you know, unearthing some serious dirt about her family. Um, and it's yeah. it's masterful and it's beautiful. And obviously, this is not the same kind of thing. I don't know what you got under your hood there, Marshall, but uh, Ben's not digging <laughs> into it, so we're okay. Um, but I think what's fascinating to me is the, the level that she went to to sort of get stories out of her family. And Ben, you're pushing Marshall's buttons a few times here. How aware were you of that? usually pretty aware of the film and in real life i'm i'm very aware when i'm getting on his nerves and i think that he's doing it right ways. now he's doing yeah. it right now yeah i think he's also aware when he gets on my nerves as well and i it's, you know that i think that also lends back to you know the fact that we are as much as we're similar in the respect of television we are different people and, and inherently being different we don't always get along and i think it was i think it was something in the film that was good to put in to show those elements of, okay, we're not in the same boat here. Um, just because it shows that, like, you know, like any family dynamic, there's going to be tension, there's going to be people pushing buttons and getting on people's nerves, and I think that's, you know, important to stay true to, like, the film, and we're, we're certainly back to this idea of, you know, what it meant for TV to be happy, go lucky, morals tied in a ribbon. It's like, no, real life is people get pissed off at each other, and it's fine to show that and it's also fine to have those moments to your point when you were talking about stories we tell which is one of my favorite canadian films when you were talking about that you know she was she was delving into this secret and trying to figure out what this secret was right and unfortunately i don't have any secrets or skeletons in my closet (laughs) i think yeah but i i think what was interesting is that she she went somewhere where uh, somebody hadn't gone before in her family and that's something similar that Ben is doing you know he had the opportunity to sort of figure out who because like I am certifiable I will admit that and I am I do have I am nuts and I am crazy but he had that opportunity to somehow unpack that and say who is my dad at the core of who he is now there are moments in here where you're beautifully vulnerable, Marshall. Like it's it really reads and it's very moving. And as the executive producer, I'm sure you had the opportunity to see this while it was in the editing phase. At any point, did yeah. you decide you you were just going to take your hands off, or were you right in there being like, I don't like the way this looks? Like, what was your involvement that way? I was very much involved in, in the editing process, and along with Ben, because I, I am the EP of the film, and I want to thank you for recognizing that I was vulnerable. Bullet. And part of the reason for that is we did shoot this documentary, then create, created it in a linear format, meaning everything that you saw in the film, Becky, was shot in order Wow! right up to the final scene. And I'm not going to give away what the ending is, but that final scene was our last day of filming. And um, so what you see is what it is. Um, yeah, I don't want to give it away. That's the tease. But I, it was hard because there was times where... 
you know, Ben would say to me, or other editors who worked on the show as well would say to me, the movie would say, Marshall, give it up, let go of that scene. Yeah. Like I, I wanted to keep a lot of things. I wanted to keep a lot of shtick that we did about television. And I really had to listen to Ben and to my editors because they know best. And they would push back and say, you know what, Marshall, let it go. We're not doing that. How is it having your dad in the editing bay? <laughs> Don't even ask. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even ask. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, my, my whole, Kicks I mean, me out. <laughs> Yeah, like if if we're being honest about that, like I'm I'm by trade a uh, I'm a, I'm an editor by trade. So I've I've for the past maybe three four years, like I've worked on TV shows as an editor. So I'm I'm used to being in the edit suite, having producers, having showrunners, you know, you name it. People beside me will will watch, will talk, will cut the whole shebang. Uh, it's different when it's your dad, um, and it's. You know, sometimes, or not sometimes, all the time, I was very much all like, let, let me cut, I'll send you a link, send me notes, and then don't sit in my room. Um, so, yeah. Becky, just... he wouldn't let me in his suite. <laughs> I sit with, when I have editors on my show, I can drop in any time. I knock on the door, I sit with them, we talk, we discuss, just like Ben does with his producers. But yeah. when his dad came in, nope. We're not talking. I will send you a cut. Uh, you send me notes via email. <laughs> Keeping the emotionality entirely out of it. All right. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I, he said, you drive me crazy. What were your coping yeah. tips for that, Marshall? Like, how did you, how did you deal with that? I would, I would complain bitch to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I would bitch to Ben about it. And I, yeah, I, I, I would shut my door and keep cutting. Yeah. Yeah, really, I just really, uh, you know, you have to, it is a different dynamic on this film. It was a totally different dynamic, and because of that, I had to respect the pro. Uh, it took a while, like, you know, it takes four years to make a film like this, and I, maybe after the third year, I said, okay, I'll respect the process. <laughs> but until then, I didn't. So then, Ben, we've talked about, you know, the challenges of working with your dad. How did you use him as a resource, and why was he great? I mean, like... Like, as, as much as maybe I don't want him editing suite, he gets stuff done. Like, he gets stuff done and he can make the calls and, and he could he could talk people into getting what we need. Um, you know, like, a lot with my dad working on the film with me, a lot of the people we interviewed probably wouldn't be in the movie or the actors we got at, like, a, a Brady Bunch convention probably wouldn't have been anything if, if not something. I think he's... he's very good at, at recognizing recognizing who we should be in touch with, getting in touch with them, and making those calls and putting in that time to to plan things. Um, so I think throughout the entire process, I really really respected his talents of getting in touch with people and coordinating things and, and putting those schedules in place so we can have those people at the film. And Marshall, what tips can you give to parents for just letting their kids make things, especially if those things happen to be about them? Make things in regards to film or television or... Or just make things, like uh, music, art in general. Because I am a creative soul, I always promote anybody, whether it's your own children, yourself, to find what you're good at, what you enjoy creatively, whether it be music or painting or television, and just pursue it and go for it. If you don't pursue it, you'll always wonder what I could have, should have, you know, could have, would have, should have. If you do pursue it, it just 
you'll do it 150%. And now, Ben, I have to ask you this quickly. So you've made this film. Um, it's got a great balance between the intellectual and the emotional, like you're very connected to it the whole time. How, after making this and especially exploring the concepts of what film and television does to people, is this going to affect your work in the future? With everything I do, there's an element of, you know, it, it shines in my next project and any projects I work on after that in kind of a different light. And it's like, you know, something with this where we talk about well, what does television mean anymore, or or what does it say about us? I think it dictates, you know, for me, like I, because I'm, I'm tr- traditionally a TV editor, like going into shows that I'm, I'm cutting now. It's like there's an element that I take from this film. And I think, okay, well, what's the what's the bigger story of this new thing that I'm cutting, and you know, what's what's the values I want to people to take away from this, and what they want to instill from this project. And also recognizing, you know, not not getting concerned about the the numbers and the ratings and, and how my shows might perform on the air, but like the takeaway from like the online world as well. Like right now, I'm, I a show I just worked on was released um, uh, on Viceland, a wrestling show, and it's been crazy. Like it's maybe not huge on television, but the online reaction to it. Um, that's something we talked about in the film that that water cooler conversation moving online it's like it's crazy to watch how this online world is blowing up when you have a moment in the film where you talk about the numbers and the concept of like how sponsors are reacting how networks are reacting how are reacting how we decide what gets made um, I found that absolutely fascinating and I'm glad you included like those technical aspects because it's like yeah this is really affecting culture and it's affecting how everyone is going to be reacting to things Marshall I have to ask what is it about theme songs that you love so much? I just think it's the most charming thing, watching you sing theme songs. <laughs> well, the theme songs, I don't know what it is, but, you know, you would watch a show in the 70s, and the theme, the show was 30 minutes, the theme song was four minutes, and it came on every week, and now you've got a four-minute song in your head. <laughs> and, and if you watch... Like, you're watching Happy Days, and you watch that for five seasons, and you had that Happy Days opening, you've had 300 times you've watched it, plus the reruns, or the Brady Bunch theme, or the Patty Duke theme, or Gilligan's Island theme, they're ingrained in us, and I just becomes part of, like, I'll, I'll walk around the house, or I'll be in the car, and all of a sudden, this theme song pops into my head from Growing Pains, and I'll be like, oh, and I'll sing the whole song, and I remember every one of the words. There's so much of my brain which is full of theme songs because that's what I grew up with. It's like people who get jingles stuck in their head all the times from the 80s, yeah. Right, all the jingles. Like, And then sometimes my wife's like, what are you singing? Like, as I'm singing by myself. I'm like, oh, I'm doing HR puffin' stuff in my head. (laughs) You're on crack. You're puffin' stuff. Yeah. (laughs) That's so amazing. These next two questions I ask all of my guests. Uh, Do you guys have any Canadian television or films you want to recommend to our listeners that they should check out that you love? Ben, do you want to go first? Yeah, I was thinking about this one, and one that came to mind, it's an older film, I think from uh, maybe 2010 or 2011. Um, That's an older film? Well, it's older. It's a couple of years old. Um, It's a Hobo with a Shotgun is really fun, if no one's seen that. It's like a good, like, Grindhouse-type movie, like Robert Rodriguez, Tarantino, but it's a Canadian a director and editor, and it's very, very fun. We are big Jason Eisner fans on this show, man. His death scenes are like nobody else's. Yeah, he 
he actually was, I was working with him on that new wrestling documentary. So I got to work with him for like uh, six to eight months. Oh, and man. He was great to work with. Yeah. You told me that that's who it was, Ben. Yeah, that's who I've been working with. Oh, you didn't tell me his, you never told me his name. No, oh, well, that's who it was. That's oh. who I was in the suite well, with for like cool. a couple months. How cool is that? <laughs> How about for you, Marshall? What do you recommend? You know what? I like Canadian films that really, for me, look like they were or they were actually shot very local. I like to get the flavor. Recently, I love I love Lottie mm. with Sally Hawkins. I just love that film. It's just a small, it's just a small little film, but you just feel so Canadiana in it. it you just do. I, I do. I've always loved The Sweet After just because it's so sad and so beautifully shot. Um, and then lastly, I guess my all-time favorite would be Meatballs. Would you laugh? Yes. I love that. No, Meatballs is the best. We just had Dad Jack Bloom uh, on the show. He's the best. I just love that because it's just so camp, and it's so Canadian camp in Ontario. Yeah, and, I just love it. and the stories behind it when you find out that, like, you know, Bill Murray, they didn't even know if he was in the movie until he just showed up and they just filmed and what he was wearing. And you're like, he's been doing that since the 70s. Okay. I know, and I love the fact that it was filmed at Camp White Pine, and it was actually during the summer while the camp was going on. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. Oh, man. And this is why they're so good at what they do now, because they had to, like, jump through all the hoops when they were younger. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So then my last question for you guys is, what do you guys think Canada needs more of to help its artists? Oh, that's a really good question. That's a really good question. Um, Ben, you want to go first? Yeah. Yeah, like, I think, obviously... Uh, grants and money is, is one thing and, and I think you know there are certain deals and like that are coming up and I know Netflix is purchasing studio space or leasing studio space down here which is cool um, but I think kind of re- regardless of how much money you put into it I think what Canada needs to be honest is a bit of a reimagining or reworking of of Tancon um, and I, I think just this mentality like through a lot of sectors of Canadian media, whether it's television or film or, or even music and radio, it's kind of, I don't, I don't know how to say it. I guess like we look at CanCon as like a requirement, like Canadian content in Canada is where required certain percentages. And I feel like just this mentality of like, we have to reach a number, we have, or we, we have to put something on it. It's not necessarily pushing us to maybe put, make the best content all the time, but rather just fulfill a number and fulfill a need. And I, I think we almost need some sort of like reimagining of, of Canadian content on our on our screens, in our cinemas, on our on our airwaves, and how we kind of view it as not just a requirement, but something that that's supposed to give us joy and entertainment and pleasure, and not just okay, we got to reach a quota to make sure you have that that amount. Having done this podcast for two and a half years, the more people I run into who are like, oh, you talk about Canadian movies, you've got what, like two movies on? There's a really weird kind of mental space people get into in from Canada when you talk about Canadian film where they're like, oh, why would I want to watch a movie from Canada? It won't be as good as something from the States. And that's that's always been very strange to me because it's like, no, we make a lot of really good stuff. It's just because we have it thrust down our throats as, you know, CanCon, we have this aversion to it. Do you guys think that's true? Yeah, I do. And I feel like not, I mean, obviously you're the podcast, the, the Real Canadian Movie Podcast, um, and I don't want to put shame to Canadian movies, but I do think there's been a uh, stigma almost with the, the term Canadian movie where, you know, because there is, it's kind of like, oh, it's required to have this amount of content and be Canadian, and there's there's always 
stereotypes of well, what are Canadian films, and they're sometimes seem seen as lesser than. When I think we just need this this almost like shift from hey, it's a Canadian movie to it's a movie made in Canada. Yeah. Like it just should be a, a film. Yeah. A film or a movie, and when you look at it as that, regardless of where it comes from, you can look at it as as the value of, of what the story is versus oh, it's a Canadian movie. That's a movie from Canada. Entirely. What do you think, uh, Marshall? I, I think I agree. I think there's a huge stigma, and it's a stigma in film and in television. You know, when you're a Canadian, we're always compared to our American counterparts for whatever reason. And I, I don't know what that is about. Even in television, how many shows are Canadian formats? Sorry, U.S. formats. That they're not even original Canadian content. And it just seems like, um, I don't know whether the stigma, because... Like where Ben said, we're, we're always considered lesser than. Canadian film or Canadian project is always considered lesser than. Lesser than what? Lesser than a U.S. film. If you, even if it's a documentary, well, it's not a U.S. documentary. It's a Canadian documentary. And I don't get that, and I don't know why... We have, we have such amazing talent here in Canada. We also have such amazing um, tax benefits or assistance to make our craft here. And we should be making more of that and, and not always having to compare ourselves or worry about what the stigma is with our southern counterpart. We should just be going to see these movies because they're really good movies. Correct, mm-hmm. correct. Yeah, we're watching right. TV shows because they're good TV shows, not because like we need to fulfill an X amount of Canadian TV shows that we should watch. Like TV shows just be good because TV shows movies should be good because they're movies, and if they're made in Canada, then that's a, a, a plus. That's just a, a bonus. I always find we get this. Like I, I remember a couple months ago, I was talking to somebody about the television show The Handmaid's Tale, and I said, you know, it's, it's filmed in Hamilton, Ontario. Really? Wow. It was like a big thing that it was filmed in Canada. And it's a Canadian story. It's Margaret Atwood. Right, like, it's Margaret Atwood. Yeah. Too, right? So the whole thing is, it's like, wow, really? That's, that's good for Canada? Like, good. I don't know. There's the stigma that we just don't know what we're doing. I think it comes, I believe it comes from the U.S. to us. I don't think us Canadians question our ability at all. We don't question our talent. We don't question our ability. We don't question our uh, our process. It comes from the U.S. a lot. Do you agree, Ben? Or I think it does come like we because we know what we're doing. And even I was at, at Cineplex recently, and there was a commercial about like you know all these great Canadian uh, these Canadian artists and these Canadian actors and directors, and it's like highlighting you know what what Canada's brought to the entertainment world. And there was so many people. That, that were on the screen that was like, oh yeah, we, we're responsible for those people. Um, and I think a lot of that stigma comes from, you know, just it's the U.S. to Canada versus Canada bringing it on ourselves. Like we, we have this, this talent and all this, this pool of people. One of the complaints I often hear when I ask that question to filmmakers um, is, what do we need? And often the answer is, we need a star system. We need people to know who these people are, that they become bankable names that we can sell people. It's Kara G or it's Molly Parker or it, it's yeah. things like that, right? Yeah, I agree. And, and I, yeah. I don't know if it's because of our numbers. Well, I, I don't know. I also think you need a, maybe a star system, but I also think you need production companies or, or the, you know, the, the choruses and companies like that to invest more money in in more original ideas um you know it's like we can make 
season seven of Property Brothers again, or maybe let's <laughs> take that money and like find find a great up and coming writer director and invest in an original story. And I think a lot of the times, yeah, from Canadian content, from what I've seen, is that it's it's a lot of putting money into what feels safe to put money into versus yes. taking that risk to to find those original stories that are a bit weird and a bit unique. Maybe you know investing. In, a lot of money into those and seeing what can happen. And the weird and unique is what we do. I mean, we've got Guy Madden, we've got Cronenberg, we've got Sarah Pauly, we've got Adam Agoyan. It's the weird stuff, right? Yes. And also, it's interesting, too, because if you also compare Canada to the UK, the UK is sort of, there's no stigma with the UK in the US. They're more than happy to, to elevate a UK film and UK actors. Does that make sense? Entirely. Australia has the same system. Australia, the same thing. You know, the minute Helen Mirren's in a film, oh, Helen Mirren, and we're running, and Judy Dench, and all these wonderful people, and then it's like Canada, we're putting Sarah Polly in, it's like, all right. It sort of stops in Canada. This is why I asked this question, because everyone always has these really interesting insights on the multiple layers of things that need to be done. And even in our even in our film, Becky, you know, here here's a, a father and son, Canadian father and son, living in Canada, making television in Canada, doing a documentary on the history of television and how viewing habits have changed, and we had to go to the States to do our interviews because that's where we had the history of television. That's where the key players were. That was actually something I was going to ask you guys about, is you're talking a lot about American culture, and it's fascinating to see the influence American culture has had on Canada, and a lot of the shows you love, Marshall, are American, and obviously that's had a big impact. Right. You know, in, in Canada, you know, we had three channels at one point and then maybe a fourth one and you had a Canadian channel. And we always we always resonated to the U.S. channels when we were here. The McLuhan Foundation has got to have done some research into this, I'm sure. Yeah. The McLuhan Institute and, and, and uh, Sarah, who's the director of it, they were just amazing people to work with and, and have part of the doc. Unbelievable. Well, I know you guys are busy and you're running off to your next thing, so I'll let you guys go. Thank you so much for your time and congratulations on the movie. It's awesome. I loved it. I can't wait for people to see it. Thank you, Beth. Thank you for having us. (laughs) My pleasure. Take care, guys. Thanks for listening to the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. If you like what we're doing, please remember to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcatcher. It helps people find our podcast and Canadian media they love. Come chat with us at RCM Pod on Facebook or on Twitter at RCM Pod. Our theme song is by Craig Stewart and our show art is by Paul Stachniak. Join us next week for another great film from the wilds of Canadian cinema.